On today's episode, we focus on getting strong by balancing the body, mind, and spirit. Our guest, Greg Adamson, is a warrior in a multitude of ways. This guy is a founding athlete of CrossFit, and he served in the U.S. Army. Along with that, he was also in law enforcement as a SWAT officer and a special agent with a DEA. Now, check this out. Greg was personally mentored in the mythology of CrossFit by the founder of CrossFit, Coach Greg Glassman. Now, this guy's also an expert in Krav Maga. Guys, stay tuned to uncover key elements that separate a man from a warrior. Stand by. Welcome to the Man of War podcast, where we forge men into warriors and get them battle ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business. If you're joining us for the first time, you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle. Each show, we interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals, uncovering their secrets to success. I'm Rafa Conde, founder and creator of the Man of War Movement. Join me on this life-altering journey where we recharge your mind, body, and spirit. Rise the night, my brothers. I want to start off by thanking you for your massive support and the ton of emails that I've received lately. I enjoy sharing ideas with you and helping you find your path. When I first started this podcast, I had no idea how many lives it could touch. I am here to tell you that it is my honor to continue bringing you the most relevant episodes that matter to you. No, we're not going to bring you shows on finance or love or relationships or self-help mumbo jumbo, and we're not going to be a cat of all hats. We're going to focus on information and episodes that are geared to building warriors, to building warrior-minded men. My mission is solid. It is to forge you into a warrior and get you battle-ready for the game of life. We're talking about the development of the mind, the body, and the spirit to take you, my friend, to an entire different level, to a level where we find 1% of the men out there, a level where we find warriors. Toning it down a notch, just a few days ago, I returned from my Hurricane Irma deployment. After reflecting on this potentially catastrophic event and dealing with the frantic people, it quickly hit home that only a few, a few warriors stand between chaos and peace. I will be recording a call to action special episode on my reflections of Irma and our society today. I promise you it's going to be a very interesting episode. I can tell you that much. Finally, my friends, Please continue getting the word out and spreading the message to good warrior-minded men. And of course, as always, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that others could find us much easier on iTunes, Stitcher, and of course, SoundCloud. Stop by manofwar.live forward slash guide. Pick up your free manual, Eight Steps to Living a Warrior Lifestyle. Don't forget that. It's a great little manual. Now listen up. The Warrior Development Online Program is in full effect and gaining new members daily for a very limited time. And I'm not bullshitting you about that. It's a real limited time. You're going to save 60% of the monthly silver membership. It's only $19.99 right now. 20 bucks. Stop by warriorbreed.co. That's warriorbreed.co. 
Listen, guys, thanks for hanging in there with me. We have a spirited show for you today with Greg Amundsen. You're going to be hooked to his energy. Trust me, he has tremendous enthusiasm. You're going to want to take some notes here for sure. Let's jump right into it. Greg, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. Thank you so much, brother. It's great to be here. Awesome. We were talking before the show here. We had some real good stuff to talk about. And damn, I mean, you've been through a lot here over the last, what, decade or so. And uh, you're certainly a guy that lives a warrior way. Start telling us a little bit about your life. Sure, brother. You know, my earliest childhood memories are me dressing up in my dad's naval uniform. I just knew from a very young age how much I resonated and identified with the warrior archetype. I just felt from a young age so compelled to serve, protect other people, to stand up for people that couldn't stand up for themselves. So as I became a young man, that was the natural career path for me. I pursued a position with the Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Office Immediately after college, I was a student at UC Santa Cruz, and within a week of graduation, I was in the Sheriff's Office Academy and pursuing work as a deputy sheriff for the Sheriff's Office and never stopped. You know, that was just a catalyst for other opportunities and other career paths, other pursuits under the umbrella of the warrior profession and warrior service. You want to tell us a little bit about uh, CrossFit and uh, when that started in your life and what has that, you know, overall what that has meant to you as, as a, you know, as a, from a physical perspective, from a mental perspective? Absolutely. You know, the story of me finding CrossFit, it was, it was brilliant. I was at the right place at the right time. I was a, a week off of field training. My FTO had authorized me to work a solo beat car. Of course, like most cops, I thought I knew everything. (laughs) And no sooner had I gone solo than I stop a parolee and try to apprehend him without calling for additional units. And that parolee managed to very quickly hand my ass to me. And I called for Code 3 Cover. The first responding deputy to come on scene and essentially save my life was Kelly Kent, my FTO, the same guy that a week earlier had (laughs) signed me off as having what it took to work a solo beat. And I looked at Kelly and I was shocked because the training that I had in the academy, I was so convinced that long, slow distance running Monday, Wednesday, Friday, bodybuilding, isolation type movements on Tuesday, Thursday, that would be the type of training per the instructors that would keep me safe on the street. Yet that training, no one near prepared me for the demands of the street. So I started to search and I started to try to recreate some type of training program or workout or modality that could recreate that feeling of fighting for my life. One day, a friend of mine named Sam Radetzky, a longtime martial artist himself, said, hey, I heard about this crazy little gym, these crazy workouts. It's all orchestrated by this crazy coach, you gotta give this a try. So I found the phone number, and I still remember the phone number to this day, it was 831-464-2520. So I call the number, and none other than Coach Glassman, the founder of CrossFit, answers the phone. And I said, can I come work out with you? He said, yeah, be here tomorrow morning, 
at 6 a.m. So I roll in the next morning for my first CrossFit workout. And what's amazing about that first workout is it's Coach Glassman and another gentleman named Mike Weaver. And Mike Weaver would become one of the first American black belts to win a black belt jiu-jitsu tournament in Brazil. Guy's just legendary in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. One of the fiercest guys I've ever known in my entire life. And what was really radical at the time about this first workout is – Glassman said, you're going to work out against Mike. And that was the first time that I worked out in a competitive manner where you're working out against someone. That concept was brand new to me, brand new to the world, in fact. And within just a few repetitions and minutes of that workout against Mike, I had that same feeling like I was breathing through a straw. My muscles were antagonistic. I thought one more rep on this darn kettlebell is going to be the end of me. And at the end of the workout, I crumbled up on a floor in a heap. And I knew in that moment, this is the holy grail of fitness. This is the type of fitness program every cop needs to be doing. I, I knew it was just a matter of time before that program saved my life. And that day when I went to work, I told everyone in roll call what I had just found. And nothing's changed to this day. <laughs> you know, wow. I, I'm still working out every day doing CrossFit. And now I travel all over the world, essentially doing what I did that day back in 2001, telling everyone I can that works in the warrior profession that this is the training program that will save your life. I mean, so, you know, functional fitness is huge. I mean, the bottom line is that we can go back to old time bodybuilders. And in essence, while, yeah, they were in great shape, you know, must, you know, they, they, their physique was awesome. It wasn't functional in a combative approach. For cops, that wasn't the approach. And uh, even for more uh, sparring type martial arts, also, that was not the approach. So CrossFit came in. I mean, th this is, this shit's functional. Right. You know, the funny thing about functional movement and that term, that's one of the terms we address right away at any type of CrossFit seminar. When I teach a CrossFit law enforcement seminar, I begin by proposing to the group that functional fitness by definition is often understood because everyone claims to be doing functional fitness. So any gym that we roll into, if we ask the athletes, if we ask the coaches, are you doing functional fitness? Their answer is a resounding yes. That was the same problem we had in the early days of CrossFit where these ambassadors of a variety of fitness programs were making a pilgrimage to Santa Cruz to train with Glassman and to share with Glassman their unique approach to fitness. And everyone that came to the gym claimed to be doing functional movement. The things that we saw did not meet our definition. <laughs> so hmm. to claim to be training with a functional application necessitates an expression of that in a type of environment where your fitness could mean the difference between life and death. And so very early on in the CrossFit program, we were attracting the warrior profession, special forces, SWAT, firefighters, because those people naturally knew this type of fitness has direct application to the job. Absolutely, absolutely. So as far as CrossFit goes and tying it into, you know, police work and military work and firefighters, I mean, what have you seen? I mean, have you seen uh, a huge 
momentum shift now for uh, you know these guys to go out there and do CrossFit? Yes, it's becoming more and more common to see. You know, the analogy I use when I teach, there was a long time when officers were carrying revolvers. There were a few departments that started to go to semi-auto, and for a long time, the departments that were in the old school mentality thought, that's ridiculous. What are you doing going to a semi-auto? Yet now, the semi-auto is the norm, and if you're carrying a revolver, you're out of your mind. (laughs) That's the same application with CrossFit, where for many years, the approach to CrossFit was frowned upon. It seemed radical. There was so much stigma and so much stuck in the rut, so much old school mentality and mindset that the way you train is bodybuilding and long, slow distance formation running. That was the mindset. Now that has completely shifted. Now, if you're not training either CrossFit or a functional fitness program that looks darn like CrossFit, you're out of your mind. That is the way to train. If you are doing the old school approach, it's only a matter of time before you experience what I did. You get your ass handed to you by someone who is likely doing functional fitness training. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's, uh, I mean, you look at it from, from a point of view. I mean, it just makes sense to be able to train something that your muscles and that your body, your core is going to be strong enough to survive an onslaught. I mean, people out there that are, are, are not in law enforcement and have never been in a street battle, I mean, when you're fighting for your life, I mean, it, it doesn't take long to run out of gas if you're out of shape, especially with the gear that you have on if you're a patrol officer or a SWAT cop that, you know, you got 50 pounds of gear. I mean, you go to the ground and you start swinging away. You got 15, 20 seconds if you're lucky. But through CrossFit and functional fitness, I think that elevates that and at the very least, you know, gets you a little bit farther out to maybe make a movement or two to survive. Yes, absolutely, brother. Well said. You know, another really important consideration, this is just on my heart, is CrossFit, functional fitness training, it builds confidence in the officer. It builds command presence. When we look at FBI statistics about suspects that took on an officer and overcame, wounded, or killed an officer, when that suspect and that assailant is interviewed and asked, Why did you take that officer? The answer is always the same. They say, I knew I could take them. Why did you think you could take them? Because they were out of shape. They looked like a slob. They had no attention to detail. They had no command presence. All of those factors can be mitigated and eliminated by functional fitness, by CrossFit. So CrossFit is essentially on the use of force continuum. Jumping out of your car, looking sharp, looking fit, having command presence, that alone can de-escalate a situation, keeping the officer and the public safer. Absolutely. I'm on 100%. One of the things uh, I've been teaching in the police academy for over a decade, and one of the uh, main things that I've seen over the last maybe five years or so is a shift where the, the recruits are actually in better shape physically. I'm not saying mentally here, but that's a whole different show altogether. But physically fit, um, they're definitely a little bit stronger from what I was used to, say, you know, 12, 15 years ago. Now, on the flip side, I will 100% agree with you in the sense that you stepping out of your car, being in good shape, you know, having your uniform pressed, 
tucked in the right way, the way you carry yourself, you become a hard target. That hard target makes a difference between you either rumping up and getting into a fight or de-escalating it just by somebody looking at you and saying, oh shit, this guy means, you know, this guy means business. I'm not going to go that route. Exactly, brother. Well said. I completely agree. So let's talk a little bit about um, and we're going to get off the subject here, but this is my, I need to know this a little bit. Have you noticed people, I mean, you're a reserve police officer still, so you still go out there with the guys. Have you noticed people, these officers coming in and bringing their own lunches and really staying good on a diet and being able to say, hey, you know what, I work out, so I want to make sure that I also, you know, stay on a nice diet and eat properly. Oh, nutrition is is more than 80% of the battle. I'm convinced of that more and more. Proper nutrition. Now, nutrition is really interesting. I talk about this all the time. Nutrition can be physical nutrition, the food we eat. Yet another consideration for nutrition is what I refer to as mental nutrition. It's the thoughts we consume. Two types of nutrition. So what I teach is a holistic approach to nutrition where you have to eat healthy food, yet no amount of healthy food consumption will help you if your thinking is unpure, if your thinking is unhealthy, if you're consuming negative, worry, stressful thoughts, you are still not going to reach your peak potential. So what I encourage and what I teach is let's pack a lunch, bring good, healthy food to work, and simultaneously develop a warrior mindset. We have to be consuming warrior thinking. <laughs> that's very good. That That's excellent. I mean, you have the balance of not only working out, not only eating right, but also thinking right, staying in a positive state of mind. Very good. That's excellent. Isn't that um, nice? Everything has to be fully integrated. That's what sets the warrior apart from every other class of society is the warrior is aware that on the battlefield of life, every variable will be tested. Every variable needs to be brought to bear. So to identify the variables in our armor, so to speak, in our arsenal, we can quickly assess, well, I need to be physically strong, I need to be mentally strong, I need to be spiritually strong. Those three categories are critical for the warrior. And within each category, then of course, there are subcomponents, sub methodologies to approach. For example, with physically strong, we agree, well, physical strength is going to be important. Then of course, we break down how we approach physical strength functional fitness, CrossFit type modality, defensive tactics training, time on the range, all those subparts fill in the development of physical strength. Yet for the warrior, every single one of those variables have to be identified and strengthened. Greg, let's shift gears here. So now we're, we're talking about law enforcement, military, firefighters, but can this be applied also to your regular entrepreneur, businessman that's hustling out there? Hey, brothers, just a quick break in the action just to remind you to go get your free manual, Eight Steps to Living a Warrior Lifestyle at manofwar.live forward slash guide. 
Also, if you want to increase your confidence, strengthen your courage, and hone your mindset, go to warriorbreed.co. You're going to want to join our Warrior Development Program, or WarDev, as we know it now. You'll have access to the War Room and receive virtual training lessons, training manuals, special webinars, private podcast and Q&A sessions, and of course, most importantly, you'll be part of a growing network of warrior-minded men just like yourself. Stop by warriorbreed.co and sign up for that silver membership for a limited time, under 20 bucks. That's a full month of training for under 20 bucks. You can't beat that. Trust me, you're going to love it. Let's jump right back into the show. Absolutely. The the warrior archetype, this is something that Mark Devine and I, and by the way, Mark Devine will be an amazing guest for your show. Mark Devine, for people that may not know him, 20-year Navy SEAL, the founder of Seal Fit and Kokoro and now Unbeatable Mind, one of my longtime mentors. We were on a podcast a few months ago together discussing the archetype of the warrior and the misunderstanding often is that you're a warrior based on what you do. And that is simply not true because I'm sure that, brother, you could very quickly identify people in a warrior profession who are not warriors. Oh, right? and we yes, sir. Who are not in a warrior profession who are clearly warriors. So the, the, the warrior archetype, the warrior spirit, I believe, is within everyone. And by tapping into that spirit and that archetype, we are ultimately more effective in every endeavor of our life. That's right, in all facets of our life. And uh, I mean, you look at it from a perspective where an, an outside person could step in and say, well, you know, I don't really need to live a warrior life because I am not fighting the bad guys out there or I'm not putting out fires or I'm not, you know, working in a trauma center where I'm doing everything that I can to fight for somebody's life and bring them back. But I disagree. I think that life itself throws battles at you that if you actually integrate the warrior mindset and the warrior spirit, you can kick the hell out of life and live happier, stronger, and better across the board. So when you say that 100% with you, when you say that you do not need to be, you know, the firefighter, cop, you know, uh, Navy SEAL mentality, you don't have to be that person. You can be who you are and still be a warrior. That's a huge point. Absolutely. I love your passion, brother. I'm in complete agreement with you. Yeah, I, you know, we're on, we're on the same, we're on the same page here. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you went to DEA, you, you worked uh, narcotics enforcement there. How was that experience for you? And what did you learn from that? That was an incredible experience. When I was working as a deputy sheriff, I gravitated through many different sub-career fields. I was with SWAT, sniper, FTO, yet ultimately my passion was narcotic enforcement. I loved working search warrants. I loved spinning up investigations, trying to dismantle drug organizations. I loved it. When the opportunity came up for me with DEA, to me that was the Knights of the Round Table. That would be the pinnacle law enforcement department for me. And I loved every moment of it. The training was phenomenal. The agents I worked with on the southwest border were, I think, some of the best in the entire organization of DEA. The cases, the experiences were phenomenal. Yet 
what I realize, what I speak to often is that oftentimes in life, we are pursuing the spirit of the warrior through external gratification. Yet, in fact, the spirit of the warrior is within us the entire time. This is why Jesus Christ taught, behold, the kingdom of God is within you, because he knew that it would be very easy to misidentify the external pursuit with anything that could make us happy. So although DEA was a phenomenal place to work, I was still unhappy. I was still searching for something. And I knew that as a exciting, as rewarding as that career was, I was not fulfilling what I believed to be my real purpose in life. So I ultimately left DEA to do essentially what I'm doing now, which is still in pursuit of the warrior spirit. That's a lifelong pursuit. We never find the warrior spirit. We're constantly cultivating, constantly refining, constantly forging, sharpening that warrior's edge. So I think the greatest gift DEA gave me was it was the catalyst, the springboard to help me realize that what I'm really searching for has been within me the entire time. <laughs> I've been searching <laughs> for something for, you know, 15 years that I've had within me the entire time. Wow. Well, that's a uh, very powerful, very powerful stuff here. Who was your mentor growing up? My, my main mentor growing up was my dad. I mean, talk about the pinnacle warrior. My dad was a naval officer minister, chiropractor, champion martial artist, champion bodybuilder, champion swimmer. Guy was amazing. At, at his, he's passed away now. At, at his funeral, there were over 2,000 people in attendance. Wow. It, was, it was remarkable, the lives that my dad touched. And what's really amazing is that some of the people that came to his funeral had never met my dad. They'd been influenced by someone who'd been influenced by my dad. <laughs> you That's know, it was, great. It was incredible. And so to this day, I reflect on the lessons that my dad taught me. He he continues from from heaven, you know, to essentially mentor me because so many of the the golden nuggets, so many of the lessons that he instilled in me at a young age were not understandable, yet he still needed to give them to me so that in time they would mature, they would sprout in my understanding. Very good. Very that good. Nice? Yeah. So he's, he's been my, you know, my, my primary mentor. And something I speak to often is that a mentor doesn't necessarily need to still be alive. And so as I begin to study seminary and ministry more and more, I realize, wow, the mentor that I want to pursue now is Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, he's he's the pinnacle warrior. He really teaches us so much about cultivating the warrior spirit. Well, well, you you talked about ministry. Let's go from there. Tell us where you're headed now and uh, what you're doing. I mean, this is pretty phenomenal that you went through an entire life life shift over the last you know, a few years and you wound up now pursuing something that you believe with your heart and soul that this is what you're meant to do. Yeah. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, my earliest childhood memories are me dressing up in my dad's naval uniform, trying to protect people that were being bullied in the schoolyard. Another part of that childhood was church. 
my spirituality. We went to church as a family every Sunday, one through six grades. I was at Presentation Catholic Church and school in Stockton, California. So God, Jesus Christ, that understanding, that desire to do right based on the Word of God has been part of my life for as long as I can remember, since birth. As I grew, as I became older and as I was experiencing the ebb and flow of the experiences in my life, I realized that ultimately furthering, enhancing, strengthening that relationship with God was what I was being called to do. You know, the Bible makes it so clear. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be provided. And God started to work on my heart. And what I realized was that in order for me to really authentically seek first the kingdom of God, that would take me completely reinventing myself and pursuing seminary, pursuing ministry. So the next chapter of my life, foreseeably the next three to four years, will be in seminary school. I'm attending Western Seminary in the Masters of Divinity program, which is in San Jose, California. Excellent. I mean, that's the way to step up and follow something that you believe in wholeheartedly, and it's a passion of yours, and certainly that's you're going to be able to help so many people with uh, with your energy and your knowledge and your experience and, and just a, a good heart. So talk to me a little bit about what really motivates you, what inspires you in your life to keep forward. And certainly, I mean, we've all heard you're a tremendous energetic guy and it looks like you're very, very positive. So what really drives you? What motivates the hell out of you here? There's a term I just love in the warrior tradition. This comes from the Sanskrit language. It's pronounced sadhana. Sadhana means dedication to practice, which is the essence of the warrior. The warrior dedicates themselves to daily practice. The warrior dedicates themselves to mastery, self-mastery. The reason the warrior practices daily, the reason the warrior disciplines himself daily, the reason the warrior is constantly striving for self-mastery, and keep in mind I'm using the word mastery, not mastered. This is a daily practice. The reason the passion for the self-mastery is so that we can be of better service to other people. Only through mastery can we authentically serve. So I get fired up every day. I mean, my daily practice of meditation, of prayer, of physical training, that daily practice is what I'm most passionate about because that's the entryway into the kingdom. That is seeking first the kingdom of God, is the practice. Only by practice can we then authentically with credibility, with self-assurance, know that we're in a position to serve other people. So you really believe that the physical body, the mind, and your spirituality are interconnected, and without that balance, you can't live a warrior life. They have to all be cultivated. We see examples, because keep in mind, the warrior archetype goes through several stages. There's the warrior cowboy, there's the warrior, there's the warrior monk, there's the warrior sage, there's the warrior king. The warrior experiences different archetypes, yet the warrior 
by necessity, in order to become fully cultivated, needs to develop equal part mind, body, spirit. We see examples of the pinnacle warrior who has cultivated. Then we see those people that have focused usually on just the physical development, missing really the most important component of that archetype, of that pursuit, which is the mind and the spirit. That's what ultimately separates people. In my experience in law enforcement and military, what's always separated people in any type of crucible has been what's taking place between their ears and the quality of their heart, meaning the quality of their relationship with God, with spirit, with something beyond themselves. That's what separates people. That's what ultimately leads people to the greatest success is the mind, the spirit, not the body. So for the warrior, the daily practice involves yoking or joining the mind, body, spirit, interconnectedness. Only through that practice can the warrior become ripe and ready to really authentically serve. Absolutely well stated. And uh, for our listeners, understand that becoming a warrior is something that's going to take a discipline. You know, Greg speaks it very eloquently. And, you know, one thing that we want to state is that it does take discipline. But if you have the desire to turn and transform your life and balance your body, mind and spirit, you can do it. And there's no doubt about it. Yeah, well said, brother. And my encouragement to the listener would be to understand everything begins in the mind. The mind is the starting point, the point of inception for everything that we do in our life. The hierarchy, the chain of events is very clear. Your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits, your character, your character your destiny. Those are the words of Gandhi, a warrior, by the way. The thoughts that we think become the reality we experience. So the warrior spirit, in many respects, the development of the warrior begins in the mind. We have to start to think like a warrior. We have to identify ourselves as a warrior. Only through that self-identification can that spirit then be expressed in the world. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask you this, and I want you to think about it. Tell us about the toughest time in your life, and how did you adapt and overcome it? A solid question, brother. I get asked that all the time, and I like the way you you pose the question, because everyone experiences ebb and flow. We all experience unique circumstances, events in our life that ultimately shape us. What we know about the experiences we face in our life is the experience itself, the event, the circumstance itself is neutral. It's our thinking that ultimately shapes that experience as either positive or negative. The warrior's practice is to experience everything in life as an opportunity to become stronger. So the Bible is really interesting in the way it proposes this. It says, my God supplies everything I need 
according to his riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. So God is supplying everything that we need. That means that even if we are experiencing something that we are identifying as potentially negative, we still need that experience through the cultivation process to become the man or woman that we are destined to become. We need every experience. We need every opportunity to forge and temper ourselves. So one of the real tempering, forging experiences of my life was a divorce I went through. That was a crucible time in my life, yet reflecting on that time, I navigated that experience with a warrior mindset. I ultimately used that experience as a learning opportunity and as an opportunity to help others. I actually wrote a book about that experience that to date has saved thousands of marriages and relationships from collapse. So we know that we're getting close. We know we're in the company of warriors when there's not a lot of complaining. There's not a lot of regret. There's not a lot of negativity because everything that we experience in our life was in fact an opportunity, a stepping stone, an evolution, a crucible. It was an opportunity for us to become stronger, to grow closer to God, to learn more about ourselves, to prevent future suffering, to be of service to other people, you name it, brother, everything that we experience in our life is ultimately for our good. Very well stated. Very well stated. So give us a glimpse, give my listeners a glimpse of your daily routine. What a warrior does when they put feet on ground, out of their bed, Give us that. You got it, brother. Another solid question. I love your questioning. The sadhana, so again, back to the word of practice. Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he describes this as order of work, putting first things first. In the warrior tradition, this is known as priorities of work. So in the warrior tradition, imagine you have a SWAT team that goes into a house conducts a raid, immediately after the situation has been secured, the order of priority, the order of work, the priority of events is establishing security for the team. Once team security has been established, then other roles and responsibilities take place, such as interviewing the suspects, finding evidence, yet the number one priority is security. The number one priority for the warrior has always got to be security. Well, what are we securing? We're securing from the moment we wake up the temple of our mind because that's where everything begins. So my practice when I wake up, the first thing I do is I have a glass of water. And as I drink that water, I'm beginning to merge the mind and the body. As I'm drinking the water, in my mind, I begin to circulate thoughts of gratitude for the water that I'm drinking. Then I practice something that I teach. It's called first words. This, this is the warrior practice, brother. First words teaches us the order of events. It solidifies for us that before we speak, whether we realize it or not, we think. Our thoughts become our words. So I consciously 
consider the first word I want to speak of the day. And up to this point, I've maintained silence. And that silence is verbal silence. I'm not speaking, but I'm also not subjecting myself to any interference. So that means when I wake up, no social media, no television, no Facebook, no Twitter, nothing. I want to keep my mind as settled and as clear as possible until I speak my first word. The metaphor I work with is imagine you come across a very still, pristine body of water and you were to drop into that body of water a pebble. That pebble would have a rippling effect across the entire body of water. That is the effect our first word of the day has on our entire life. It ripples across the universe, touching every corner of our life. So my first word of the day is either Jesus Christ or God. Then I go into a series of breathing practices from Ashtanga Yoga. Then I go into silent contemplation and meditation. And that practice takes approximately one hour. And there's also some light yoga asana in the morning just to start to move my body. Yet what I'm doing is I'm cultivating stillness and I'm strengthening the temple of my mind because the mind is the the inception point for everything else I will do during the day. Then after I finish what I call my morning practice, then I'll make breakfast, which is a smoothie. I set goals, review strategies, review my priorities for the day, and then I'm off into the world, ready to serve, ready to lead. Excellent. Excellent. Very, very deep. And uh, for our listeners, you take one step at a time. And one of the, uh, my warrior development program, one of the main things that we start off with every single day is some type of meditation, some type of breathing exercise. And we go forward from there. Clearing your mind and searching for that tranquility inside makes the difference in a day tenfold. Um, You could think clearer. You can react clearer. You can be on point the rest of the day just by taking 10 or 15 minutes and harvesting that breath control and trying to uh, send that mind into what we call mushing state of no mind into that tranquil level if we can do that and uh, it takes time but if we can get there we're definitely taking steps in the right direction so i'm gonna hit you brother i've got an amazing story for you for your listener on this subject this is classic Mm -hmm. you'll love this there's a young karate student that approaches his sensei and says sensei how will I know when I'm ready? And the student is asking that timeless question. How, how do we know? How can we be certain that we're ready to protect ourselves, to protect another person? How do we know when our technique is ready, is sharp? His sensei says, when you can sit in silent meditation and not the roughest ruffian would dare make onset to your presence, then you're ready. Very nice. Well, yeah, the next day the sensei comes into the dojo and he sees the student and the student is is seated in meditation, yet he's seated in such a way where his body looks like he's holding a contraction in every muscle. He's trying to sit physically in such a way 
that not the roughest ruffian would dare make onset. The sensei comes over and gently taps the student and says, what made you think I was referring to your body and not your mind? Isn't that awesome? You know, so yeah, this idea of we can cultivate our mind in such a way that not the roughest ruffian would dare make onset. And that roughest ruffian is not an external threat. It's our own negative thinking. Oftentimes, we're our own worst enemy. We're trying to win on the battlefield of life, and that battlefield is between our ears. That is right, 100%. <laughs> right? Yeah, so this this practice of meditation allows the mind to take on that machine, to take on that stillness, that quality of mind state or mindset that the only thoughts that can hold in that environment of our mind are thoughts that are in alignment with the warrior, which are therefore positive thoughts. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to combat, when it comes to hands-on combat, you know, one of the things that I have noticed, and this is, you know, I've heard hundreds of podcasts and different shows and, and, um, and there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of instructors and, you know, that talk about, you know, this art is better than the other art that, you know, jujitsu is better than karate and karate is useless and kung fu is useless and, you know, Aikido sucks and, you know, this is the best way. And then and, and the bottom line is this. Honestly, I don't care where you've been and what you've done. Anyone can die today in a heartbeat, meaning somebody could come stab you and you're out. Somebody could pop around in your head, and we both have seen this, okay, in, in the realities of life. And in the end, it's the mindset. It's not the art, but it's that mindset, that warrior spirit that's going to get you and help you survive when the shit hits the fan in the real world. So I do have a lot of listeners that ask from time to time, say, listen, you know, what art should I take? What, you know, and I'm all about the art is not the saving grace. It's how you train and your mindset. Every single art can prepare you for a situation, a given situation. And while obviously you want to be a well-rounded martial artist, the bottom line is that train your fucking mind first and foremost. I completely agree. Regardless of the art or physical practice you participate in, the mindset has always got to be trained like your life depends on it because it does. You know, and I recently spoke at a very, very large, incredible weapon trade show in Tacoma called TriggerCon. The weapon technology was phenomenal. Yet, when I saw the physical readiness of the officers that were in line to learn about the newest weapon platform, I realized the mistake that had been made. They thought that the weapon was the new platform they could purchase and put in their holster. Yet, in fact, they are the weapon. So the, for the listener, you are the weapon. Everything else is a tool. And what I mean by that is any physical practice or weapon that you would carry is a tool. You are the weapon. And 
when I say you are the weapon, I mean the mind is the weapon. That fuels the body. That propels the body into action. So we have to sharpen the warrior's edge, which is the mind, because that is, as you so eloquently said, that is the saving grace, the mindset, the commitment to practice, the commitment to win, that is within the mind. And it's unfortunate because uh, that at times, even officers, even, you know, guys from the military, um, you know, the mindset is not there. And without that, it doesn't matter what you've done, you're not going to be in total preparation and you're not going to be at optimum level of either mind awareness or physical awareness. And, you know, I agree with you 100% that mindset is, you know, you, you, that's, where, that's your point. That's your level, your reference point. If you don't have your mind completely in tune I'm sorry, but you're just not going to be able to take it up to that next level in whatever whatever you're doing in life, whether it's the battlefield or whether it's the business world. The mindset has to be a warrior type mindset, no doubt about it. All right, so I'm going to throw this out to you. What warrior hacks? And when I say warrior hacks in our show, we have something basically what we call micro goals, but we also call them warrior hacks. There's something that you do daily that gets you up not just your daily ritual but something that you maybe you can give us a, a tip on what kind of uh, you know sets you in the right direction something that makes makes you you know motivates you whether it's reading a book etc you know what i'm talking about just something that gives you that extra boost sure i think though it it, it is important to discern the fact that on the path of the warrior there really is no shortcut. There is no hack to the warrior development, to the warrior archetype. It is a daily sadhana. It's a daily commitment, a daily practice. If it was a shortcut, everyone would do it. <laughs> if there was a hack, it'd be easy. Yet that is why being a warrior is so, it's so captivating. It's so exciting is that not everyone can do it, yet Everyone can do it, right? It's so beautiful. That's right. We can all be warriors, yet not everyone is willing to pay the price because it takes practice. It takes training. It takes subjecting ourselves to being uncomfortable, to becoming comfortable in an uncomfortable environment. That's what sets the warrior apart. That's why in so many great stories of the warrior archetype, you always see a common ratio of one to 100. For every 100, one's a warrior. That's because these great traditions realize that to really authentically walk the path of a warrior can sometimes be a lonely path. It can. It can absolutely. Now, yeah. Now, 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 that being said, because you and I realize and we teach that the mind is the inception point for the development of the warrior, one of the ways we can get our mind on point, on track, if we have the awareness that our mind is not set on the warrior spirit, is to have a mantra or an affirmation that we can repeat, either in our mind or sometimes we even speak that mantra or affirmation out loud as a means of overriding 
any negative self-talk that we may have become aware of. So I'm a big advocate for having mantra in our life. And the word mantra comes from the Sanskrit language. It simply means mind tool. So it's a way of developing our mind, of setting our mind on the direction that we want to go, which is, of course, forward. For the warrior, it's sempre adelante, always forward in the pursuit of that spirit. So a great mantra could be something like, I believe in myself, I love myself, I constantly reaffirm my ability to succeed. That's a mantra I've used in my own practice for years. I gave that mantra to two amazing warriors, Gray Maynard, former UFC champion, and a gentleman named Nathan Mendelson, a world-class jiu-jitsu fighter. Both of these warriors use that mantra with great success. So the way this would work is we're going through the course of our day and perhaps we're facing a workout or a challenging conversation or any environment that is making us uncomfortable. And that environment could also simply be our mind. We become aware of the fact that we're not on point. We're not set. We're not going the direction that we would like. We speak that mantra. And we speak that mantra with conviction. So this is when a mantra can take on a new life, essentially, because I could say to myself, I believe in myself, I love myself, I constantly reaffirm my ability. I mean, I don't even believe that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the way that we speak our mantra is we begin to yoke the mind, the body, and the spirit. I stand up straight. Oh, I take a deep breath in through my nose. I roll my shoulders back. That breath alone connects me to spirit. Then I say with conviction, with personal belief, I believe in myself. I love myself. I constantly reaffirm my ability to succeed. Boom. My mind is set. That's my mantra, my mind tool. Then I get to work. Excellent. Excellent. Very similar to the ahaka, which is the uh, traditional war cry and the war dance. Uh, it's a posture dance performed by uh, <laughs> the Maori people in New Zealand. You know, these yes. are unbelievable dances where they, like you said, they have a mantra. You know, it's all physical containment. And all of a sudden, it's just they, they cry out and basically it's all positive reaffirmation. Phenomenal. Absolutely, brother. You're right. And that's, that, that's powerful for your viewers to watch. That is incredible. Oh, yes. Very, very, very good. All right. So. As we uh, settle in here, what advice would you give to our listeners to live a warrior lifestyle? This is a timely question. I was doing some life coaching with one of the athletes I worked with yesterday, and th this was essentially his question. You know, this is this is the question we all have. We're all in search of the warrior spirit. We're all in search of fulfillment. We all know intuitively in our heart we were born for greatness. We know that we have a mission in life that we're compelled to fulfill. Like That is in our awareness. Some people are more aware than others, yet we're all aware of that. The challenge is that most people are trying to fulfill themselves through external gratification. Anytime we assign value or worth to anything in the material world, whether that be an object of our desire or a position or a rank, 
whatever it is, if it is outside of us by design, that will potentially and ultimately lead to suffering, to unhappiness, because everything in the world is changing. And in the moment of attachment, something that we think will make us happy, we're attaching to an 